What does it mean to manufacture a stronger standard? At DeGeist, it means to solve challenges and help manufacturers achieve more through our people, our technology, and our belief that anything is possible. This is Manufacturing a Stronger Standard, a podcast by DeGeist. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Manufacturing a Stronger Standard, a podcast from the experts at DeGeist. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks, as always, for joining us for another episode of the program. Today, I'm joined once again on the show by Derek DeGeist, president of DeGeist Corporation and Lesta USA. Derek, welcome back to the show. How you doing, man? Awesome, Tyler. Thank you. Well, I'm excited for this episode, Derek, because joining us is somebody that has a lot of years of experience in uh, the wood and finishing industry. We're going to hear more about uh, him, his stories from the industry, and, and kind of launch us into our topic today of discussing Lusty USA, their entry into the wood market. And so joining us today on the show is Igor Kania. He is an application engineer and wood specialist at Lesta. Igor, thanks for coming on the show. I hope I didn't mess up your name too badly. Oh, no, it was, it was great. Thank you for having me. Uh... I hope we enjoy it. I'm, I'm excited to have Igor on the show, Derek. So introduce us a little bit more to Igor and tell us a little bit about uh, his expertise and his experience in these areas. Yeah, Igor, I was introduced to Igor very soon after we started uh, working with Lesta in Italy. Um, as soon as we were we were going to start launching Lesta over USA in the US, and is immediately Igor came up and said, we got to hit the wood market. We got to go. It's time to go and let's move. And I said, we're, we're, we're getting there. Let's, let's work on it. And we're going to we're going to get it started. Um, but I talked to Igor. He's got an extensive knowledge and, and a huge history in the finishing side. It's been an awesome resource. And I've learned a ton from uh, just talking to him. And he's just uh, just been a lot of fun. And I brought him on today because I wanted him to kind of share some of his experience. And then we're going to talk a little bit about what we've created together. Um, we didn't want to just come here and just start throwing the solutions that were done in Europe over here to the U.S. because uh, we found that that needs to be slightly different. So uh, we really uh, we really dug deep. We learned from a ton from Igor and his different installations. He's done hundreds of robot wood applications over in Europe. And from that, we learned from the things that he was teaching us and how on his experiences and the success that they're having over in Europe, and then how we can adapt and use it here in the U.S. market. And so um, I'm just uh, excited to introduce uh, Igor uh, to our listeners. And uh, I'd love for Igor, can you just tell them a little bit about how you got started in the, the wood industry and uh, in robots and kind of this, that background? Background, uh, and then we'll kind of launch into kind of what the rest of us of our partnership has been. Uh, your introduction, anyway, was 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 really was really great. I would never make it better. I just want to add that I started to work in the wood industry. Basically, I started with wood industry uh, 15 years ago. I think I made this choice because of two reasons. The first reason was that. I was uh, involved by, by people who I knew at the time, particularly this industry. As, as you know, we have metal and plastic and the other industries, but uh, basically two wood. Uh, maybe three reasons. Second one is that the wood industry is the major industry in the, in the country where I live in, uh, in Poland. And generally speaking, uh, Central Europe, Central Eastern Europe is a worldwide source of uh, furniture. 
Poland right now, looking at the statistics and, and uh, European data of 2020-2019, is the second biggest producer of furniture in Europe, the, the first exporter of furniture in Europe, and the third biggest producer of furniture around the world. So obviously, it was because of this. And the third reason, my personal one, is that I, I never told you about this, but my grandfather was a carpenter. And when I was a kid, I was looking at him uh, uh, building, constructing, and projecting his own chairs, tables, and, and stuff like this. And probably because of this, I was kind of addicted to, to this. And I started as a salesman. I started as a simple consultant. And so, soon I understood that without getting uh, deeper in, in the real production, in, in the real process, of uh, of wood, uh, I cannot be uh, an expert. I cannot become an expert. I cannot be uh, a specialist. So I started to work by myself, uh, working on the different machines. I can uh, operate CNC machine wood. I can open circular saw. Circular saw. I can op uh, operate sanding machine and, and and the other machines. And I was a painter too. And I, honestly speaking, I enjoyed most of all painting. So finishing process. I understood how important it is for the final product, uh, I understood that the, the finishing makes uh, the furniture beautiful. It makes the, the furniture worthy it, its price. And it makes, uh, it's the most satisfying part of the woodworking, if we divide it on different parts, starting from the, from the uh, raw wood. At the end, we have finishing. And this is what I uh, enjoyed the most. And the first robot, speaking about the robotics, uh, the first robot I personally was uh, was selling not so late, not, not so much uh, later than after I started. It was in 2008, and it was a five-axis robot uh, with a carousel for uh, painting wooden chairs. And it's working until now. Two or three years ago, I visited the same the same customer. It's getting older, the owner and the people, but the, the robot is still there. It costed a lot of money. It was a fortune at that time. Now they are cheaper in the sense that the price is more reasonable because there's more and more of these robots. What I can say about my experience is that last week, uh, I received an order for another uh, robot with a carousel, uh, which is going to paint uh, parts of beds and, and chairs for children. It's not so complicated. It's a very standard uh, piece of uh, machine for us, but it's important for me because this is my robot number 100. Hmm. So every next, yes, every next one will be, I will start to uh, go over 100 robots in my, my history. That's awesome. You need like a plaque or something for that one. I need to talk to Emma. I mean, you're going to have to get... <laughs> I was, yeah, I told him that and he was really happy and he just <laughs> reacted in a way that say, okay, great, congratulations. And I said, maybe a watch or something. Or maybe a, <laughs> a watch. <laughs> a clock. Like you get something. A, yes, something like this. <laughs> something you get in the corporations for 10 years anniversary or 20 years anniversary. But yeah. anyway, I'm, I'm really satisfied that I can... Uh, I can say so. It is quite difficult to achieve for someone who is just starting to work in, in that business. And I've made it just 
learning everything by myself. I mean, I mean, no one ever told me how I can sell the robots, how I can implement them in the production, how I can improve the other people's production. This, this success, if I can say so, if I can call it this way, came after use of getting experience of uh, wood finishing and, and the other materials right, right now, finishing, because I'm not focusing right now, just, just in wood. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I think the really cool part of Igor, as we start talking, is that it's you look at a you look at an application or the customer, and immediately it was uh, we're going deep into lacquers, stains, clears, top coats, flash times, process, 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 and you really drove home the need to be able to understand those different types of processes. I come from the metal side, um, and so some of those were new to me, and uh, it always felt like I was just curling up to a to a book or by the fireplace or something just to, to listen and learn. And I have, I have pages and pages of notes I would continue to write. And so I uh, learned a ton of stuff on, on that application side. And it really comes out of how passionate and important to understand the application side and how to adapt that to be able to use it in an automated way. And that's uh, one of the unique things I've learned a lot about. And the other thing I think that came up, Igor, that was uh, really surprised to me is I was initially thinking, okay, we've got these proven solutions. Igor and Lesta, they've sold, they've sold, these helped out tons of customers um, in diff- all kinds of different fr- uh, the, uh, the wood industry, um, from furniture to cabinets to doors, um, all these different types. And uh, what we found is that when we we're starting to look over here, um, that it's different. And can you kind of explain, Igor, a little bit more about uh, about Europe market and the U.S. market? You're doing furniture. Why? Why is it different? That's that was new. I was very surprised about this. In fact, it is a bit, a bit different. I'm, I'm, I, I cannot say that the production itself is completely different because obviously you uh, you are using the same machines, the same technologies, and the same techniques, the same methods of treating wood and the other materials uh, in the USA as we are using in, in Europe. But if we uh, focus on on furniture. I have to say that a huge impact on uh, our technology uh, was made by IKEA, as uh, you know that brand very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, to explain you, you know the, the 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 idea of bringing the furniture completely disassembled in the boxes, the carton boxes, which are already finished, and you've got all the, the necessary screws and nails and even some small tools in that boxes, and you assemble everything by yourself at home. Okay, this is the the main idea of of this company and, and, and this brand. And it works very well. IKEA is a huge, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, uh, manufacturer and seller of the furniture in the world. And we have plenty of factories uh, producing uh, furniture or parts of furniture for IKEA here in Central Europe. But this idea changed this approach to to uh, bringing new furniture uh, to your home changed production at all since 60s or 70s now after this long process decades of changing we can say it was a revolutionary approach and it changed the, the complete production process now we are uh, manufacturing 95%, maybe even more than this, 95% of production of furniture in, in, in Europe is a production of disassembled furniture. So, simple parts. Hmm. Like, if you take a look at the cabinet, 
you've got uh, left side, back side, right side, top and bottom. You've got drawers. You've got front side of the drawers and and handles. Here, everything is is manufactured, disassembled. Okay, then it's packed, wrapped with the foil, packed in uh, carton boxes, and and shipped to to the final users. Not in every case. I say five percent is still the same as in USA. And now, if we jump to the USA, you still uh, manufacture assembled furniture, which is great for me. It's really great because <laughs> it, it, yes, it is great because uh, the, the furniture manufacturing was like this at the, at the very beginning. And it was like this in 60s to 70s in Europe. Now we made it simple, maybe. It's for the production process. It's really simple if you work on parts than on uh, assembled cabinet. Uh, one of the other things, though, Igor, is that also that you guys use almost primarily all water-based. And I think that's yes, kind of yes. different over here. So equipment, equipment packages, the different types of things you're doing. And that also impacts and changes the process steps and times as well. Um, so I think that's another thing that's slightly different as we look at kind of the different solutions that are over there. You know, one of the other things I think that we've seen over here is that we went out in the market, visited all kinds of different from furniture makers to chair makers to cabinet to doors. We saw all kinds of different customers. And then we came back and started talking and it, when it was slightly, the process was slightly different. Or I think another major difference between Europe is you've had access to self-learning robots. You've been using robots over there for decades. Uh, where the wood industry over here is a little bit behind. Not only are we using different types of uh, stains and lacquers and, and uh, some of our application stuff, but also not having that automation um, equipment, it changes your mindset. You know, so if you have generations of evolving companies using them, over here now we come in and we show some of the solutions, show some videos to show how possible automation and self-learning robots make um, for the for the wood industry, uh, these companies, and I'm talking to some owners and their line people, they're totally th all of a sudden outside of the box, totally looking at what if we just, what if we change this or we change that around? It A lot of times it isn't as simple as just dropping in, dropping in a robot and saying, bam, done. Um, so there's a lot of potential and evolution that I think that's going to happen over here in the North American market as we start to adapt these technologies, but it's going to rapidly take hold because we in the U.S. have the same problems you have over there is finding people and trying to increase production and stay competitive. So it's going to be a really interesting mix, you know, as that continues to go. So I think one thing to be interesting is to talk about, we talk about carousels um, and we want to talk about the three types of kind of, I think, buckets that we uh, found our customers in that are, we have uh, solutions that we've adapted from Europe and we're tailored now to bring to the U.S. market that we're really excited to talk about. Um, this is where we have some of these being installed now and we have, we're going to be launching um, some of these to the rest of the wood industry through um, uh, coming up here very recently. So as we look, at, we kind of came up with three solutions. One is tailored for, I'd say, the uh, the cabinet industry, the chairs, um, and then we have a furniture solution that we came up with that is tailored to the U.S. market and what we saw out there from the from the manufacturers that we went to. 
And then also we have our door solution. And um, some of them are using self-learning and some of them are using 3D autonomous scanning. And each of them is maximizing the potential of your painters and your current crew to be able to produce more. Um, so can you tell us a little bit, Igor, just tell us a little bit about the carousel. I mean, that's a, let's start off there. That that's a solution that, uh, we didn't have to change very much at all to, for, to be able to adapt for the U S market. We've got self-learning options and 3d autonomous scanning options for the wood market. Specifically, I'd say, uh, correct me if wrong, cabinets and chairs, but talk to me a little bit about, uh, what are, what are some of the benefits and why? Who could use a, a carousel and how would that help them? You're right. I didn't I didn't mention different uh, technology, different painting technology, which is water in Europe and, and still uh, solvent in, in the USA, which is also, according to my opinion, better because it looks, gives better finishing and gives better quality. Uh, carousels are the most popular uh, so we speak about the robot fitted with the carousel. This is the most popular solution here in Europe. Let me just say not just in one country, but in the central, central Eastern Europe. So everywhere where, where we have massive uh, wood production, massive wood industry. Why they are popular? Because they are really compact, uh, really small, and you have uh, two in one, you have a painting robot, which is replacing a manual uh, painting done by the, by the painter. And you have an internal, very small, very compact, but internal transportation system, which is the carousel itself. Uh, the, the benefit coming out of these two machines, the, the, the devices in, in one, is that you have not only painting process fully automized, but you have also a transportation uh, and so logistics, internal logistics of the painting area, finishing area, also automized. Uh, the difference, as I was explaining, if you have, let's, let's take a look at the chairs. It's the, it's the best example because it's the easiest uh, product to observe the differences. Painter, manual painter, has to bring the chair from, from somewhere, from the, I don't know, from the floor, most of all, where they are uh, stuck and waiting for the painting. He's got to take it, and it's not so easy to take it because it, it, the weight is a few kilograms. He's got to take it right to the painting area at the front of the painting wall, starts painting, it takes, let's say, 30 seconds, okay, and then he, he's got to put the gun somewhere uh, on the hook, takes the chair from the bottom, which is not easy again, takes it back and then put it somewhere on the floor or, or some, uh, on some uh, cart. This operation, bringing the chair to the painting area and taking it back, takes the same time as painting. Okay, 30 seconds. We've got one minute of work on one chair, which is divided 30 seconds of paint, painting process and 30 seconds of logistics. Uh, this is the production and it, and it gives you an idea of how the production can be during the hour, during the, the shift. If you take a look at the carousel, which is bringing the chair automatically without any integration of, of, of the man, of the operator of that robot to its process, uh, the, the carousel, which is bringing the, the chair automatically to the painting area, okay? After painting, painting of, uh, of the previous chair is, is finished, it takes three seconds and then another painting it's just starting. And then in the same time where when the robot is painting, the operator of the, of the robot uh, 
as a perfect time to take back the chair, put it somewhere on the, on the back side, and bring the new chair. We are not losing any time. So the, the painting time is equal to logistics time. It's a very simple way to double the production. So if anyone of my, many of our, my customers is asking us, how, what benefit the robot will bring to me if I will invest in? And I say, how many chairs you are, you're, you're painting right now? You, what is your production? And he says, 250 a day. And I say, okay, you can have 500. Not, not possible. Yes, it is possible. <laughs> and I show him the video, how does it look like? And, I, and he says, oh, Jesus, yes, you're right. It's so, so simple. I'm losing time because of the logistics. I cannot paint that, that, that fast because the painter has to go back, take the chair, go back. And I was never thinking about this. And now it's, it's so, so clear. It's not super complicated when you take a look at this. And it's the easiest way to double the production. And we speak about doubling the production. We speak about 100 percent more of your previous production which is a really huge. great result yeah. huge result you have also have other other companies we've seen this ourselves we had the same thing with one of our customers that were, were putting a carousel in where they had a uh, someone bringing the parts to them and then taking them away it wasn't a straight 50 percent improvement because they were had someone else doing the logistics but now we're able to do the do we're still gaining more gun on time because it's always running the painter still set the put the spray gun on a hook moved around be able to move it or move around the part and was not spraying as often so we increased our gun on time and we took a man a manual operator for the logistics side out so we took a two-man operation down to one and so they were going to actually be replacing two manual booths with one automated booth to start and then they're going to be adding more and adding more robots into their production as well because their their goal wasn't wasn't to replace people they needed more production and so with the increased production it wasn't that they were getting rid of people there's a couple of positions they could big boosts they couldn't fill and so then they were able to take the other ones spread them out over more boosts now we're getting almost double the production with the same amount of people and we didn't have unfilled positions that was hurting what we could accomplish on a daily basis um so that was i think really neat i think you gave kind of per per meter square meters uh sprayed example that you had from one of your customers could you tell us that really quick the benefit the other benefit of the carousel and, and the painting robot uh, it's flexibility you can have the same carousel the same painting robot and you can paint different completely different products you can you can paint uh boxes you can paint drawers you can paint chairs you can paint parts of, of, of tables you can paint uh, panels, so the furniture disassembled. According to my opinion, there is no limit. The only limitation that we have is the our dimensions of the maximum dimensions of, of the object that we would like to paint, but they are not so big. If everything is uh, painted by, by the man, by the operator, will be always possible for the robot because we just simulate manual operation and we just optimize it. Mm. If we mm. take a look at the, the furniture industry, uh, we go to cabinetry. As I said, as I explained, in Europe, we, we produce cabinetry, most of all, this is in the parts. So everything is disassembled. So there's more parts to be processed. There's more, more parts to, to be painted. And again, we, we've got the same, more or less the same uh, conclusion. If a man, a really, really, believe me, skilled uh, painter is able to work fast 
and I can give you some idea about how uh, fast he can he can paint because I was doing that by myself, and I know very well what does it mean and how much force, physical force, does it does it take. You can make being really skilled operator, skilled painter, fifty square meters shift shift considered as seven seven working hours. Normally it's eight, but you have to exclude. Uh, uh, lunch break and, and a time to start up the the, the, the whole mm-hmm. system and to to clean up the guns and do some uh, service operations. So you have seven hours, and during the seven hours, the man can paint fifty square meters. Now the robot, as we are using the carousel, our MV six uh, equipped with six axes, four arms carousel, is able to paint. It's an average result: fifteen to twenty square meters. An hour is very easy calculation. You can paint 140, 125, 140 square meters during the same shift, during which a painter is able to make maximum 50 square meters. We can double and can triple the production using the carousel, which is really great uh, result, the first result. The second one, I was painting by myself and, and I was also observing during, during the years, how much the painter is slowing down. Because you have to, uh, as we all understand, man cannot maintain the same speed using his muscles every single hour. Okay, when he starts, he paints with the original speed, which is, let's say, 100%. Then he slows down 10% every hour. I've made this observation many times, and I was calculating, just using uh, my, my mobile phone, just looking at the, at the, uh, at the stopper, uh, taking his time, and he's slowing down 10, 10%. So probably he could, he could work, he could make something like 75, maybe 80 square meters an hour, sorry, a, a shift, but it's impossible because of the muscles, while robot mm-hmm. is maintaining the same speed all the time. He cannot, mm-hmm. he's not slowing down. And this is a simple way to keep the production at the same speed, to keep also the quality at the same at the same level. The other observation I was I was able to make, and also observing myself as a while painting, is that I my hand is really uh, unprecise. I cannot keep the same distance between the gun to the to the to the surface. I cannot keep the same speed of my head. I, I cannot keep the same angle. And these are parameters which are constant, which are fixed, uh, which are the same all the time, every hour, every month on the robot. And this is how you can achieve better quality. I don't want to say that the man, the painter is giving worse quality. I'm, I'm just, I want to say that everyone is looking for constant quality. Consistency. I mean, that's what yes. that's given what we've said as we look at small companies to big companies. We're putting installations in now where they have 60, 60 painters. Everyone's different. Besides that, they have only, they've got a 20% no show rate every day, <laughs> which is a whole other podcast episode we could have. It's incredible how the people, how people are different at work. Believe me or not, but I was always starting to paint a simple square panel, uh, painting it. From the left to the right. I don't know why. It was just better for me. While the others were painting from the right to the left. And it makes difference. Hmm. At the end of the day, yeah. you, you see that the quality is different. Also, uh, while our uh, installations, where we are uh, bringing these robots to the, to the production, we, we are 
implementing them to the production. We, we, we do not just stop on uh, mechanical or electrical installation. We always stop when we see the results of, of painting. So this robot is always connected to the, the, the painting equipment. We use the real uh, paints. We use the re real uh, products of, of our customers and we are painting them to have the best finishing result as, as he's expecting, our customer. So we are checking the paint thickness and yeah. the, the the difference is between the painter and the robot is that the the thickness uh, check uh, done after the robot paint is, is always equal. I mean, we, we check every four corners of the one meter square panel and the thickness is always the same everywhere. Why paint painter can, can give you uh, differences which are not the best for the further process like sending Right. I think this is, I think our conversation drifted into overall benefits that transcends all of our uh, uh, robot possibilities with the self-learning and the scanning as it goes to our wood applications. But I think it's a good transition into the furniture side as well, because as we talk about um, these benefits of the long day, numerous um, painters, all with different techniques, applying different, and and as our quality standards continue to go up, and we're still looking for and to produce more at the same time, naturally this is a good this is a good uh, segue into our furniture solution too, because we actually took the carousel solution to a lot of our our customer base and saying, how does this look? Is this something that would be a good fit for you? And what one of the things that we saw, and because as you had said earlier, that in the in the North America, so much more of our furniture is pre-assembled before painting, all of our the furniture producers we're going to, they like the carousel, they love the production gain of the carousel and the size, but they have lines and they have lines of running and they want to keep their part families together. And they wanted they want to do one table and all the chairs and they want to do one headboard footboard and the side panels and they want to do the dresser and all the drawers they don't want them separated because they got to come back together some of them have multiple lines some had one line and so we kind of adapted that and took that back and said, well what if we can take uh this solution and come up with an economical cart solution option there's there's solutions out there some of them are very expensive can we come up with an economical solution for general industry to be able to give them adaptable, flexible uh, way to be able to keep their part families together, to be able to run them through their finishing line? And then some of them were adding uh, stain, seal, and top coat. Some of them were doing the seal and the top coat. And uh, it's just a we've come up with a really cool solution for the furniture industry that we're going to be bringing to to the market and uh we've got a couple they're going to be going in this year at some of our customers and we're going to be bringing it and showing it to the to the industry at uh, the wood show in vegas awfs uh, so we're super excited about this solution and it's giving them a flexible option to be able to pull uh, carts on and off the system very quickly you can preload you can keep part families together and that was one thing as we looked at the the carousel solution it's not a one-size-fits-all the carousel is super adaptable and flexible but when we get into big furniture getting a large dresser up onto a, a carousel arm gets to be kind of a logistics and and lifting issue and so as we can preload large pieces of furniture on cart solutions it's a lot easier to prep and sand and you're touching the part one time 
So again, it gets on the cart, and when it's on the cart, it doesn't have to leave the cart till it's ready to ship. And so we've got a, a full system solution that we're bringing to the market in numerous different configurations to, based off of what our customers are seeing. And it's just a really, uh, really exciting adaptation that we're bringing to the market. Well, let me just say that I like this because it's because it's fl- uh, flexible uh, as 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 the carousel as the other configurations of the of the uh, robots uh, are flexible card is 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 good according to my opinion because we can adapt a robot to it having carousel we are ad- adapting the, the 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 local painting environment to our carousel because the carousel will take space we, if we have a card line working and existing and it's because of the uh, production requirement because of it works in a different way probably not long batches but uh, the customer is uh, working using orders so he's got six chairs to produce you know, and one table and and it goes on one or few cards and we adapt our robot which is really a simple thing to do we, we just have to locate it somewhere in a good spot at the front of the painting uh, wall, maybe inside of the uh, painting booth. It doesn't take too much time. It doesn't take too much space because carousel takes normally four and four meters. We just uh, locate the robot somewhere inside, inside of the painting booth, and we connect it to to this to the logistics of, of the of the line, and, and it may work. And it's perfectly uh, designed for the U.S. Um, production uh, type, which is, as I was explaining before, based on pre-assembled furniture. We don't want to change it. We just want our robot to be adapted to it. And the robot will give the same uh, benefits, the same flexibility, the same uh, consistency, the same growth of time of production. I think the other thing that was, was really cool is just in general, as we were, I was moving into the wood market with our company. I was like, "Man, I'm, I'm don't I don't know wood. I mean, what am I going to be able to bring to the wood market? How is this going to going to work?" I got out and went to different manufacturers, and what was so cool is that I've been in manufacturing my whole life, and at the end, it was still manufacturing. When I go into a, a furniture producer and they're manufacturing furniture. It's like the same thing. We are talking the exact same language. It's process, procedure, flow. And so when we've done a lot of uh, systems, conveyorized systems, um, moving parts in, fixturing them, and doing small batch runs, that's what we've lived our whole life. So when we looked at the furniture industry, like, this is the same thing. Uh, so it was really exciting. Uh, so we kind of did some hybrids where we're bringing proven pr- pr- solutions for manufacturing and adapting them to the processes needed for the wood market. And that's how we developed our Lest USA cart-based tow cart system that uh, is going to use maximize the benefits of self-learning technology to be able to be flexibly change over very quickly to be able to do small order batch runs of furniture, keep part families together touch it one time when you load it and the next when you're shipping it and so it's a super cool thing we're really excited uh and uh, a lot more to come on that in the future um kind of the last one i want to talk about to kind of round this thing up our last solution uh, is the doors i mean door industry is totally different doors don't work well on carts 
they don't work at all. There's, they take up a ton of space, ton of room. And so we got to be able to find a way. We've had customers come to us, Igor, and they're killing their guys' shoulders. I mean, it's, it's up, down, up, down. Uh, some of them are using uh, manual uh, conveyor lines, and some of them are using powered cont- continuous lines. And uh, it's tough on a guy. As you talk about the muscles and the wear and tear, there's a lot of shoulder motion to cover a door. And uh, our self-learning robots are an option. We've got like three tailored options, scalable, buildable solutions we can move up from. We can go from self-learning, we can go to offline programming or 3D autonomous complete scanning of the entire part where everything's taken care of automatically. Get the precision that you need. We can either save just straight time, we can add the precision, and then of of all the benefits of a robot when you're doing doors. Um, you want to talk a little bit more about like how what you see in the doors and maybe the specifics of the application types that you see for options for painting doors? It'd be kind of interesting that you were talking about this earlier uh, about this, and I thought it was kind of interesting how you see flat lines working uh, with doors and that process versus using a robot to finish the entire door in one shot automatically. We know it very well, every one of us, because we are surrounded by, by doors and it's very easy to check the, how they are finished. It's very easy because we just have to touch them and we have to understand how uh, unique is, is, that, is that product is different than furniture, is different than, than chairs. The material itself, so the type of wood is always different, and the, the surface it's it's big. It's bigger than, uh, than 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 chairs because we speak about standard size two on one meter, and it's very easy to see um, contaminations. It's very easy to see some uh, mistakes. It has to be really equally painted, equally finished, uh, and the the best if the door is painted without any marks of overlapped paint without any uh, scratches. Now we go to the major benefit of using a robot against a flat line. Uh, if we use a robot adapted to the uh, aerial conveyor, we can uh, complete a painting process of one single door in one working cycle. We just have to paint the front, we have to paint the edges, and then we have to rotate it and paint the back. And then the door is painted. We don't have to do anything else. We do not risk that the lacquer, the paint is overlapped somewhere. We don't risk that we cover two times edges like we can uh, do on, on the flat line. And we save time using precision and repeatability of the robot. We can, we can achieve the same thickness, the same uh, coverage of the, of the surface or the same quality. Uh, the door surface can be better prepared for further process which is going to be probably uh, sending the flat line always uh, requires double painting so you have to load the the, the door on the, on the line which is laying down on the the belt conveyor which goes through all the machines like spring machine and there's curing tunnel etc and the few guns positioned over the, the, the door, they are moving across the door movement, they are painting. They are painting the edges and one side. Then you have to go through the drying section, through the curing section, and you have to go back. You have to turn around, put it again on the, on the belt. It goes again through 
the whole line and you paint the other side. But in the same moment, you are painting the edge again. So it's double painted while this while the front and back side are just on the one. That's a waste of time and material. The thickness is completely different. Uh, this is not mm -hmm. what you are looking for. You want to have the same thickness everywhere, all around the doors, not, not different uh, thicknesses here and there first. Secondly, if you program the robot well using self-teaching or uh, our scanner, then you can be sure, and this is something that we, this is a benefit coming from the using of robot that we never mentioned before, but uh, I, let, let me just uh, tell, tell about this now. Program is well done, well, well prepared by self-teaching or using our scanner. Uh, spraying program is automatically generated by our software. Then we can save uh, paint and we can save a lot of paint. We can save minimum 10, 15, sometimes 20% of the single amount of paint used for the door and the total amount used for every doors and every production. Why? Because we are not covering empty space for painting the door. We are focusing on the, on the surface only, and we are pointing the gun always directly to the surface, and we can use only one gun. And again, if we want to do the same job using the flatline, we have four guns. As I was saying, there is no, never a one gun, there is a couple of guns, sometimes even more than four. So if you compare paint consumption on the one gun, painting a single door against four guns consumption, we <laughs> spent a lot of paint. It's not precise because there's no scanner, because it was not programmed by, by the man, by self-teaching. So the, the, guy, the, guy was, the painter was not pointing the gun to the surface. It's very simple. Gun machine. angle is wrong. Uh, of course. It's simple machine, spraying machine, which is just moving a, a few guns across the conveyor, and they are always pointed in a fixed angle. You use, you have to spend more uh, paint. You have to uh, paint in two uh, cycles, never one. And at the end, you have overlapped paint thickness on the edges, while just one layer of lacquer on the top and, and back side of the door. I agree. I mean, the, the other the other type is the way that you can do doors that, that I've seen uh, quite. I've seen the flatline doors. You're double handling stuff. Same thing on the conveyor line. So the companies that don't don't invest in the cost of a, a large, a very expensive flatline have. I've seen a lot of manual pull through conveyors, and then we have the same thing as we talked about the carousel. You're doubling your handling time of your logistics. So when you add the opportunity to add a robot in there. And now we can automate the the painting process. We can we can double the production capacity because we're taking the handling part out. I've also seen conveyor continuous lines, Igor. I don't know if you've seen this over there yet, but uh, so they're using continuous line, but they they paint that some of them have turned the doors sideways because they couldn't keep their painters there that would go up and down all the way to be able to paint the whole thing. And so you've, you have a, you've just doubled the, the line size that you need, the amount of oven cure time, the production's cut in half because you're the horizontal instead of vertical. 
Um, and we had another another company we, we visited that uh, they were really intrigued by the robot. They already had the continuous line and we could integrate right into it, but they painted side to side because it was easier on the shoulders of the painter instead of going vertical up and down. And, the, and as you say, the wasted paint, every time they get overspray, every time they go past painting left and right, left and right, they were wasting paint all the time. So the, the paint savings they have when they went to scanning of the door to be able to the perfect overlap, the perfect distance going up and down, the, they cut their paint in half as well. So, I mean, it was a huge, huge benefit, productivity gain, saving materials, uh, getting better quality as they were rotating painters in and out to be able to keep the line running and they'd stop it for lunches and breaks. Uh, huge, huge gain in production uh, using the same same equipment they already had. Of course, we uh, the painting robot working on the existing line, the door line, is giving the same benefits of, as every uh, other robot in, in, in the wood. And from my point of view, because uh, easy here, looking at the doors, to have some mathematical observation of the paint consumption and, and the overspray, if we use the perfect solution, which is a scanner, the best would be a 3D scanner, which is taking a, a precise dimension and position of the door in space. And if we use our software and, and the painting robot, we can even uh, define what kind of overspray will we have? Because we can tell the robot to start to open the gun two centimeters before touching the, the surface. While painter or any spraying machine installed on the flat line will never do that. We'll never be able to to have two meters, sorry, two centimeters uh, overspray around the, the the surface. It's it's not it's not going to happen. Never. I've never seen that in my life. So uh, the, the benefits are really, really huge. I, I agree with you. Well, it's going to be fun. So we're preparing uh, to, to debut all of these at our, at our booth at, the, at our, their next trade show. We also have all of them uh, in our test lab uh, to be able to replicate production environments for our customers and for demos and trials. Uh, so we're super excited about uh, bringing these tailored solutions to the U.S., leveraging the experience that Igor has had with his team and, and Lesta's knowledge uh, and their uh, depth of uh, robotic applications kind of hybrid in that with our with our production environment and engineering team and there's some there's some cool uh, rapid R&D and adaption uh, for the wood industry coming out and we're super stoked about it can't wait to, to, to be talking and meeting everyone uh, very soon well Derek it does sound like a, a really exciting time uh, let me toss it back to you just for final word here on the podcast before we say goodbye just super stoked about having uh, Igor with us today talking about what we're bringing to the market, how we're adapting uh, Lesta's technologies for the U.S. market and bringing those proven solutions to the wood industry over here to be able to help our manufacturers continue to grow, add production, help uh, help and has helped their teams accomplish more. And uh, there's just a lot of a lot of neat things to come in the finished industry uh, for wood and automation. And it's going to be a fun trip. And I'm excited to do it with everybody else. Well, a lot to look forward to, and uh, and once again, we were absolutely thrilled to have Igor on the show today. Igor, thank you so much for joining us and uh, sharing your expertise and your experience over uh, over your years of work in this industry. Thanks again for joining us here on Manufacturing a Stronger Standard. Thank you for having me here. You got it. And uh, Derek, another episode in the books. Thanks for joining me once again for another episode. 
You bet, Tyler. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. And everyone, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Manufacturing a Stronger Standard. If you're not already subscribed to the podcast, make sure you go to your podcast app of choice, hit subscribe, and stay up to date with the latest in insights from DeGeist. You want to know what they have coming out next and uh, and what developments are going on uh, throughout the industry. And so make sure to stay up to date with those things by subscribing to the podcast and stay tuned because we have more episodes coming at you shortly. But for today, for my guests, Derek and Igor, I've been your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening.